0: you okay. can't
1: We are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcast, and Podcasting. what is going on, fellas, man? It is weird sitting back at this bar. We haven't sat here and done a podcast for quite a while. Was
2: G-Money the last one we did at this spot?
1: Yes. G-Money was the last one we did the at this spot. The first time.
2: So that would have been a couple, year and a half ago we've been here.
1: Yeah. I think you're right, That's because after weird. that, we migrated into the kitchen.
2: And I'm like a little kid on this swivel store right now, just <laughs> kidding you, around.
1: Woo!
3: Ooh, yeah. look at Typically me.
2: midnight, like hard
3: <laughs> elevated lounge bar. Chair. What, what do you got over there? Oh, we got some drinks, man. It's we cold High it highlights. Well, cold that... highlights? That's we... nice and all. We got margaritas. <laughs> we got just uh... pee
2: with rubbing alcohol.
3: Miller Lite. Oh, there you go. Some kind of Jack, Captain Jack. It's pretty stacked at the bar.
1: So, uh, tonight's show brought to us by Predator Flygear. Check them out at predatorflygear.com.
2: A-Rex Hooks, They're pretty much anything you're looking for, from sharks down to
3: trout, check them out, at rex Hooks.com. Sims Fishing, SimsFishing.com.
1: Uh, tonight's show is brought to us by the Auxiliary Urban Fly Company Studios.
3: So, side, side room of the, of the studio. <laughs> this is
1: Studio B for the Urban bar. Fly
3: Company. The bar at, at <laughs> Urban Fly Company. 30 so, feet away. I will, uh, it's more than 30 feet, man.
1: <laughs> it's like three, point. 300 square feet, <laughs> but, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff's going on around this household. So, uh, we got kicked out of our normal recording studio and we're, we're back at the old bar. It's a, I, I think it's a more comfortable situation. So, uh, but I don't mind. It's
2: nice. At least we got a little bit of a view. I mean. Got glass windows all around. Us. I know.
1: You don't just have to look at me the whole fucking night. Kind of. You got to look, turn,
2: to see out a window other than that it's you. But so, also, uh, Yeti. It was nice yesterday. Didn't matter what it was, coffee or water, 5 o'clock, it was still hot and cold. Yeti.com.
1: Hey, man, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Mm-hmm.
3: So do you put your Yeti cup with hot coffee inside your cold Yeti cooler? I do not. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know how <laughs> this works, man. <laughs> all right. I got a
2: separate thermos. We throw it in the back and tuck her underneath
1: everything. Speaking of that, I have your Yeti cooler uh, carriage. That, that oh, okay. basket net, it's in the backseat of my pickup truck.
3: You know what keeps my coffee hot? That sweet cup we got from Nick Mayer over at Predator Fly Gear. That, uh, mine's a largemouth bass. I still use it.
2: You've been holding that puppy four. tight
3: for a while. Dude, mine, My uh, see, I, I hand wash dishes like real man, but that's why the art looks all good and you didn't throw it in the dishwasher or run it I over a truck.
2: I ran mine over <laughs> with the trailer.
3: <laughs> yeah, that could that could happen, but no, it works like it did on day one, man, and would have had it for a while now. So yeah, it's tough. It's been on a lot of trips, and every time I think I forget it somewhere, I'm like, oh no, I gotta walk two miles or something. But uh, but then I remember where I put it. But then it shows back up. Yeah, it's like in my boot or something. I put it somewhere to it's make like it easy. It's like a sticky carry. booger. It always shows up oh yeah yeah now that's (laughs) sweet and and the sun shirts too man so so check them guys out once again even the art stuff uh predator Fly Gear. hey also check out why not fishing and their
1: app the dock um i can't say anything better about them man it's a, a good community to get uh fishermen together so check them out and check out queen city guiding if you need uh any fly tying material or Hooks, or you want flies, Ryan old time for you, man. Uh, we got some stories to tell about Ryan when he was in town last week, so uh we'll do that after our guest tonight. Yeah. Buddy McMahon is coming on, man. I can't wait to talk to this dude he's uh he's sitting outside waiting to talk to us. So what do you guys think? Should we uh call our quits from segment one and uh get buddy on the horn? Let's do it. All righty, man. We are back with Buddy McMahon.
3: What's happening, bro?
0: What's up, man? Nice I'm, to be here.
3: I mean to say, brah? B R A?
0: <laughs> yeah, brah. Well, we
3: we can't say, say Buddy. Uh, hey, buddy. <laughs>
0: it, it, nobody hey, ever forgets buddy. your fucking name, huh? Nah, they don't. In <laughs> fact, you know, a lot of the time people know it before they know me. And it kind of <laughs> sucks because, you know, I'm not that friendly with most people, so. <laughs>
3: But but then they got to walk up to you and say, hey, buddy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and if they seem cool, I'm like, yo, what's up? And if not, I'm basically like, fuck you. Pretty ironic. Oh, yeah.
3: Now, we're here with, uh, what, what would we call you, professional forager, artist, artist, uh, well, uh, I mean, all kind of um, labels for, for what you're doing?
0: I'm sort of a man of many trades. I'm a professional house painter. I forage, and my fiancé and I have a business currently that we make medicinal extracts of mushrooms and herb, herbs, and uh, I also supply some restaurants sometimes, but that's that's a whole touchy thing. You know, that's so difficult to do. So, yeah, I guess I'm a professional forager and painter.
1: So uh, being a professional forager, and you guys are making medicinal
0: uh, stop. extracts, extracts. tinctures—you might call them. Some people call them tinctures. We call them extracts because here in the South, people are like, "What is a tincture?"
1: What is a tincture?
0: <laughs> so a tincture—the ones that I make, which are made out of medicinal mushrooms, um, are called a dual extract. I grind up the mushrooms first. I forage the mushrooms then I grind them up in grain alcohol and that sits and extracts for at least six weeks. And then that is pressed out of the the material. The alcohol is collected. And then I do a hot water extract. And when that is finished, the water extract and the alcohol extract are combined into the tincture, which is, dual extract because of the fact that those two processes are done and so in that way you get solvent solubles and water solubles and the heat during the water extract breaks down a lot of the chitin that the mushrooms are made out of and so a lot of medicinal mushrooms are very woody and if you were to take like a capsule of the mushroom it contains the components which are beneficial for your health but your body would never be able to access them and so through making tinctures you make these compounds bioavailable and so that is what a tincture is
1: and how many different uh different varieties of mushrooms are you foraging throughout the year like
0: um as far as the medicinals i i i only make five different medicinal mushroom extracts and um one of those is a type of mushroom that can only be farmed you know it, it grows wild in parts of asia and it's called cordyceps and it actually infects um insects but overall between the medicinal and the edibles i'm probably foraging uh between 25 and 30 different species throughout the year
3: is there what's uh, i guess to say what's what are you what are you searching for what are the the higher i guess medicinal purposes what what types of mushrooms so for
0: okay for the medicinals um It's about time now for me to be harvesting reishi, which you have probably heard of. That's R-E-I-S-H-I. Yeah. And uh, that is actually a family of different mushrooms in the Ganoderma family of mushrooms, which is, that means... Thousands of pores and so they are shelf mushrooms that grow on Rotting wood and even on living trees and the one that I make my stuff out of is called um, Ganoderma suge and it is specific to Hemlock trees and if you've been down in this part of Appalachia You know that the mountains are just completely covered in Eastern hemlock and um, the rishi tends to grow on sick and dying trees and down here we have like a plague of woody uh, uh, woolly adelgid beetles which are completely decimating the hemlocks which is really sad and it sucks and they're dead up all in the mountains but it has made a situation where there's just like thousands of pounds of Rishi in the mountains here, you know, I can go out and get a hundred pounds in one day And that's all I need, you know, that's enough for a whole year so I get it and I Freeze it and then I can make my tinctures. But in addition to that, I'm also harvesting um, turkey tail Which is a little less known, but it's a small mushroom which grows sort of in the same fashion it grows on dead and dying wood and um, I make an extract of oyster mushroom and they grow year round and I'm sure they grow up in your area and they're also a really good gourmet mushroom, but they are very medicinal. And um, also my taki, which a lot of people would know as hen of the woods. Mm-hmm. It grows around, grows around the oak trees and the picture that you posted of me holding those two really big mushrooms in my kitchen. Yeah. Those were my talkies. Those are head and, of the woods? Yes. And they can be they only come out in the fall. They come out um, a few weeks to a month before it starts to frost and after the first frost they will pretty much rot and go away. But they can be, you know, they could be as big as fifty pounds for one mushroom. So
3: I was calling them sheephead. I thought I thought maybe they were sheephead at first Some glance. people,
0: yeah, it, that is one of the common names as well.
3: Oh, um, that's what it. Well, I guess here that's for for what I grew up on. That's what most people were would yeah, mention yes. it. But like you said, fifty pounds. I've I've seen twenty. You know, stuff bigger than couple basketballs put together
0: growing on trees yeah areas. definitely so and, is there um, is
3: there like an art to cleaning those things or, or uh, are you using those for any restaurants or is that solely for for your extracts
0: no I, I definitely i have sold those through some local csa's um which you know that's where basically like uh, a way of farmers and in my case foragers are connected to clients and so i've sold through that i've sold to restaurants and um generally with the maitake they are not usually too dirty you know as mushrooms go they surprisingly they are fairly clean like sometimes they'll have a couple bugs living in them but um the best way to clean those if you're going to keep them whole is uh if you have an air compressor with a little air sprayer and just psh, spray it down in all the grooves and blasts the bugs right out
3: oh, that's that's way funner than throwing it in the bathtub i got like like you know older guys tell me soak in salt water and yeah things like that and that and...
0: a lot of people talk about soaking things in salt water and um uh, in my experience and with people who i have talked to um the general consensus is that you really don't want to put water on any of your wild mushrooms unless you absolutely have to because they're like a sponge and they're going to soak it up and once they do they're going to rot you know
3: yeah no I found a difference in just cooking them without soaking them this spring with some of the morels I thought my uncle was telling me to throw them in the water but it definitely the water brings the bugs out so
0: it does and with a... more with morels in general um I, that is one mushroom that i will soak you know i'll soak it to get the bugs out and a lot of times they are a little dirtier or especially down my way because i find them on creek banks and if it's sandy that shit just it, it gets washed all over them you know that's nature so. seasoning so, yeah, exactly, and it, it's good. It sharpens your teeth. It's crunchy, it. so crunchy. Yeah, <laughs> so it's nice. It's nice. It's little flavor crystals.
1: Do You want to hear a funny story, buddy? Oh yeah, absolutely. I found about thirty morels this year. I didn't nice. get to eat a goddamn one of them. What the fuck? My my son ate them all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know what that's good that that gives me a reason to get his little fucking ass out in the, the woods oh woods yeah me.
0: <laughs> exactly yeah and then you take his and you eat them exactly you.
1: nice one thanks <laughs> so hey we've been doing a lot of a lot of mushroom talking a lot of uh uh genus species names how did you get into the foraging and uh, how long was the learning curve to get to know the different genus species what's safe what's not and what was your, what was your, uh, pathway into it?
0: Well, I am still learning. I am by no means an expert, but, uh, my pathway to learning it is that my parents are old hippies. Um, from the time I was a little kid, basically my dad had us out in the woods, like almost all day, every day, you know, um, back in the sixties, he collected, uh, Reptiles for the South Carolina Natural History Museum. And so, literally, from the time I was born, like catching snakes, looking at plants, being in the woods, that was what we did all the time. And um, I remember as a kid when we moved here to North Carolina, I was about five. And from that time, I remember back then seeing what i now know are chanterelle mushrooms the golden mushrooms and i was always interested in them but my dad was not really um all that knowledgeable about fungus and so it stayed in my mind and when i started coming back to outdoor stuff which was in my mid to late 20s Um, I was still very interested in mushrooms, and I just started reading about it. I started researching on my own. Um, I started identifying the mushrooms, and I was interested in eating them, but it was a good five to six years of identifying different species and making 100% sure that I knew what they were like over and over again because I was – there's the fear about eating them, you know, and even to this day, I'm wary. But after about five or six years of just teaching myself through books, um, somewhat online, but that was before online was as big as it is now. um, I just got more and more confident. And after about five or six years, I started eating chanterelles. I started Messing around with other things, and after about ten years of steadily paying attention, I am to the point now that you know i've pro- I probably eat about twenty two different species or so on a yearly basis here and i've I've never fucked up and made myself sick, you know, knock on wood, but uh but, yeah, my pathway was directly from my dad being an outdoors person and just always instilling that in me.
2: In your experience, do you see as many edible mushrooms out there as you see non-edibles?
0: More, I would say.
2: More edible Be- than none?
0: Yes. Gotcha. And, like, you know, the crazy thing is, like, there are literally hundreds of edible species of mushrooms in my area and I'm sure in your area, I, you have slightly different ones up there than I do and I'm not as familiar with that. but there are literally only you can count on one hand the mushrooms here that would actually kill a person. Now there are other ones that will make you sick. They're considered inedible, but there are the va- you know, the vast majority of what you see are either, edible, medicinal or at at the very most might make you sick, but they're not going to kill you, you know.
3: So for for some of the business you're doing um back to I guess that side of it is is tea a big thing or people uh, seeking out like certain types, is that something you also do?
0: Um, We've been looking into doing that, and uh, it is a pretty big thing. You know, what's really big right now, and we're not doing it, but I see other companies doing it, is like coffee substitutes because some of the medicinal mushrooms like chaga, which does not grow so much down here, it does a little bit, but uh, when you take chaga, which is a woody mushroom that grows on birch trees, and you grind it up and you make a tea out of it. It's as black as coffee. It has a really nice flavor. And um, I'm seeing quite a few companies pop up that are making like chaga and reishi coffee substitutes. And I see that shit everywhere. And apparently they're doing quite well. So I guess it is pretty popular. We have not branched out into that. Like... um with the extracts that we make, we've been so busy the last two years that like, you know, I work my regular job painting houses, but then I do this and it's like we never stop working, you know. So we talk about branching out into these other things, but like having the having the time to do it when you're just two people, it, it you know, it gets into that whole thing of you don't want to drive yourself crazy or make yourself hate the thing that you're doing, you know.
1: Speaking of that, how much time are you spending in the woods now?
0: Uh, um well, early on, I was spending a lot more time, and it's like now I have um gotten my focus more into knowing the times and the conditions when they're gonna be out, like the things that I need to where now, if it hits the time of year and the right kind of uh kind of weather patterns and things that I need, then I know that what I need is going to be out and I know where to go and get it. And so I spend a lot less time now than I was, um,
3: sounds in like, the past. sounds like big buck hunting. If you, you know, when to go in and waste your time, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because I spent years and years, you know, like spending all my time in the
3: Hoping they would I show did. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i understand yeah. that rushing yeah, exactly. rushing them yeah. to grow it it. spring always comes when it comes and and we as people tend to seem it, it, we can rush it somehow and, and, and mother yes. nature is is exactly what she is she decides on every you know availability of anything so
0: yeah absolutely and when you're first learning about mushroom hunting you know and you look at guides for them and things like with morels, if you look at guides, they're going to tell you that from March until June is the season. But when you've actually found them, you know that within that season, it's only going to be like a two-week section where they're coming out, you know. And so over the years, you learn that within those seasons, it's really a short period of time when you need to be there. It's and your local there, season. Exactly. Your and dates, your regional dates. And so these days, you know, um, I'm not spending as much time in the woods as I probably would would prefer to be, but I'm spending enough time to get what I need when I need it, you know?
1: So the lack of amount of time in the woods, is that affording you any more time to go fishing?
0: Um. <laughs> Well, it has not in the last two years, but it, it will starting very soon, you know. Like, um, because in addition to our business being online and whatnot, we sell at the farmer's market every weekend throughout the summer, and so that obviously takes up quite a bit of time, but um, you know, you got to make your money where you can, and My fiance and I, we've been together for about three years. And so we're both, we were doing different things. And so building a a company and building a business and doing all these things, you know, you sort of have to just give everything to it for a while until you can get it running in a way that will afford you a little more time to get back to fishing and stuff like that, you know.
1: So did your, your fiance know you at all when you were a fishing dude?
0: Yeah. As a matter (laughs) of fact, we, we have known each other somewhat, you know, we hung around the same crowds of people and, uh, I actually met her 23 years ago and I was like, Oh my God, I was in love with her, you know, from the very first time I met her, but our paths were not together back then you know and and i so i became a full-on trout bum like starting shit 16 18 years ago and that's like all i did for years i just fished and i built up a painting business with my main fishing partner which is wnc permit he was on on the old board too and uh we would just fish and work and i thought that was all i would ever do and then at some point i got back in contact with my fiance when she actually came to visit my brother and i because we've all been friends forever and uh at that point things just uh looked up and and my life changed and uh we were able to to come together and start living together a little sooner than we would have liked to because of how crazy life is. But, uh, and then we were able to start a business together based on our two, um, hobbies. And so I just, when, when life does something like that, I just kind of go with it and give it everything, you know?
1: So, so buddy, I got yep. I gotta take it here. Did you move her into the short bus?
0: no, no, <laughs> I did not. Is she Although, the mushroomer? Um, she is a trained herbalist. So oh. she has been to school for herbal medicine, and uh, I am the mushroomer. But I did move some of her shit into the short bus when we moved into another. <laughs> That's serious, man. We moved serious, into man. the last house that we had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
1: can can you give us a little rundown? I, just as, like, we're we're all fly fishy dudes you know sitting around the stable, but we're also like dudes that love cool projects yes so can you tell us a little bit about the short bus house
0: sure and it you know it's a very strange story because okay the short bus it's still there it's in my parents back part of their property and um that short bus actually belonged to a very interesting friend of my parents who I grew up knowing. And, um, that short bus had been used for nefarious uses back in the day of, (laughs) uh, of moving things to and fro. And, um, when, when that short bus was decommissioned, he had that brought to my parents' house (laughs) and, uh, At that time, we leveled the short bus and we sort of cut out the whole interior of it. So it was just open and we padded it. And for a long time, it was like a recording studio. Like I used to be in some hip hop groups. I was also in some punk bands. All kinds of people would come there and hang out. It was totally padded inside. It had good power and everything, but it was just the short bus as it was, right? And it stayed there for years. And um, at some point, a friend of my, a different friend of my parents, not the one who had put the short bus there, was getting out of like a 13-year prison stint and he was going to he didn't really have any family or anything so he was going to need a place to sort of re uh whatever you call it come back into society reacclimate and, um, yes reacclimate and so at that point my dad myself and my brother all built onto the short bus and we added a whole little like studio apartment to it it has power it does not have running water um but it was great and like it was not fully finished when he came and stayed but he stayed there he you know it was that's a whole nother story of dealing with someone who is institutionalized but he spent about six months there and then got his shit together he's still doing well after that i finished the place in you know i totally finished it it's really nice inside and i used it for a fly tying shed and i kept all my fly tying shit in there all my fishing stuff in there and i used it for a few years and then um after a while, it just it started to sit, and right now it's just kind of a storage shed. Unfortunately, I wish I could say that there was more exciting things going on in there right now, but uh, but it's still there. It's still there. It's still kicking, man.
1: I think we all need a short bus for a fly tying shed.
0: That, oh God, that would be
1: we... like a at a way better vibe <laughs> than my basement.
0: Oh, dude, it's you know? so nice. Yeah, we we had even talked about hooking up the power to the, like, windshield wipers so that, like, <laughs> you know, because the bus itself is now the bedroom and the main part that we built on is, like, the apartment. So, like, if you were in the bedroom, you'd have those windshield wipers going. That would be really nice. But definitely we all need a short bus in our life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's freaking awesome <laughs> it's
0: it's wild dude my life is very strange if nothing else
3: so, so uh, we posted a photo of you, you you mentioned holding the mushrooms we also had a photo of you at the mural down there at you know musky mural that you painted you want to talk a little bit about that and how that came sure, to be? sure
0: yeah that was an awesome project that uh Tom Gregory of um, Towie Boats, who's an awesome dude, had just – he had asked me for a few years to do that. And that year, uh, I believe the guy that I work with, WNC Permit, I think he may have been in Belize – fishing in the Trace Pescados tournament down there because he did that quite a lot so we didn't have any work to do so I happened to have time to go do that and um normally to do a mural that size I would I would take like you know 5 days or something but I crammed it into that one weekend which was really crazy because obviously nobody sleeps the whole time at that tournament everybody's partying hard so like you know, it was a long weekend of hard work, but, uh, seeing how much everybody enjoys that and everything is just, it's been great, man. You know, so
1: what year, what year did you end up painting that?
0: (sighs) I believe that was, I think 2014, I believe it was 2014. It may, it may have been 2015 or 2016. my, in uh quarantineville my brain is not working nearly as well as it did at remembering things but uh i think we
1: went down in 2018 and uh okay we got our pictures taken with it
0: well i know that it's been there at least four years so it could have been 2016 that i painted that
1: so speaking of quarantineville are you still working Is, is how's house painting going
0: Uh, It's going pretty well. Um, I have, I've continued to work through this, you know, I've I've been going, uh, we've just been doing exteriors. So for the most part, you know, a lot of my clients are older people, and obviously, they don't want to be in too close contact with dirt bag painters. So it's good that we can just stay on the outside of their house and uh, get the job done. But yeah, that's been going well. And then our other business has been actually, it's increased because a lot of the stuff we sell is for amusing And, um, and so that's, I've done well, you know, other than the fact that we're secluded and quarantined and it, it starts to make you go crazy after a while, man.
1: It does, man. My wife hasn't left the house, and oh shit, it's been two months.
0: Yeah, I'm, it's rough, dude. And I'm sure, you know, she. I'm sure, like uh, my fiance, she has not been able to get her hair cut. I'm sure.
1: My wife's know? a hairstylist, so she can't go oh, to work. <laughs> but you know, she can cut her own. Uh, she doesn't do that, but she doesn't cut mine either. Ah, <laughs> uh,
3: and. And just and just across the border here, we're, we're PA Ohio, we're kind of like right on the edge, the, the rules have all changed, It it's crazy man. Yeah, in Ohio, you guys can go out to eat, can't you? Oh man, there's all kind of stuff going on, they've kind of reopened everything back up, not everything to full go, but... Right, right, it,
0: it, 50% capacity or something, that's what they're starting to do here, but like... You know, North Carolina just had like the biggest spike in cases that we've had so far. So like they're opening up here, but uh I'm Sh- still Should you go continuing. out?
3: Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> well, in in the in we've been all over the place, but I want to talk a, a little bit about fishing and and maybe some of your local fishing and uh what Yeah, for sure. Like what what kind of got you to being into the trout scene or what, what, what's to offer where you're fishing at?
0: Well, um, we have a lot to offer right in my area and especially in the whole overall region. But like, uh, as a little kid, I did a lot of fishing with my dad. Um, he always was into little poppers on fly rods for bluegill and bass, you know, which was great when you're a little kid. Now, I stopped fishing from the time I started skateboarding, which was like 1987, and um, like 20 years later almost, I came back to fishing as my body just was not able to skate the way that I used to, and at that time, I had always remembered, like, fly fishing was what I mostly liked, but we didn't do it a a whole lot as a kid, and so... um, I started looking into it, and there is a small, what most people would consider mediocre um, headwaters of a river within 15 minutes of my house, and I knew there were trout in there. I had never caught a trout on a fly, and um, much like the morels, man, I started trying – I got a fly rod i got some flies i started trying i would go up there i would try i would try i just i couldn't catch them you know and the water in this river it's tough to fish if you if you don't know how to fish like really small pocket water and plunge pools you're not gonna catch these fish and so i tried for quite some time and then i i started to key in on them and it is nymphing in that river And, um, so anyway, I started catching them and I, I quickly became addicted to, uh, the trout on the fly. And there's several other creeks in my area and all of them, you know, are creeks and rivers that people, if you look on any list of, of trout water in the Southeast, you would never find these. They're like considered to be very mediocre, but, you know, as, as the years progressed, I kept catching keying in catching better fish in these creeks and then started learning about different approaches to it learning about um streamer fishing and starting to through trying that you know start you start to catch fish that you're just like holy shit you know how is that fish in this creek after and so after
3: three years of nymphing it and not, exactly. not touching a big, uh, or a monster, so...
0: Oh yeah, catching beautiful fish, but nothing big, and then all of a sudden, you know, starting to read things about the the uh, streamer game, and how hitting the creek when it's on the rise from a heavy rainstorm, and so I would start watching the weather, you know, wait wait for those around here, it's tropical systems like we just had come through, where they'll push in and it'll just slow and steady rain. And I started to try catching some of these creeks and rivers right near me on those types of fronts moving in. And I mean, I I caught fish that to this day, I'm just like, I go back and I look at the pictures and I'm like, Jesus, man, it's just unbelievable what you can get into if you tailor your approach The right way, you know, and so I think that these these were
3: times you'd never go down and nymph at all. You, You wouldn't be thinking to go nymph, right?
0: Right, exactly. No, these were times that if I had nymphed, I could have caught a lot of fish. But these are times that I would cover probably one to two miles of creek or river, and I might only catch like one or two or no fish. But the fish that I did catch... Were like you know five times as big as anything I had ever caught, and just gorgeous, like wild, you know. They were the ones you browns. wanted to catch. The ones that I didn't actually, I I never would have believed that these fish lived in these rivers. You know, I would have been like, no, it it was mind boggling, and so I think just that progression, and it's still going on. You know, it it's like such a progression. Just like skateboarding, just like graffiti, just like music, just like any of those things. It's like that progression is what got me addicted to trout and subsequently bass, smallmouth bass, carp going after musky but i i've resigned myself to the fact that i will never cut catch a muskie. probably you know i i've gone after them with some of the best musky fishermen around man and it just is not the fish for me to get Ah, uh, you're why. going
1: after them with kyle fuck that man well mark will th- take
0: it <laughs> oh man well mark i was take- <laughs> i started going out after them with kyle but yeah. i have fished with Tex. Okay, yeah, that
1: dude. That dude knows a shit.
0: (laughs) I have fished with Tex so many times. Like that was my main dude that I was fishing with for like three, four, maybe five years, man. And like,
1: we never caught one.
0: Yes, dude, we (laughs) never caught one when I was in the boat. We would see them like occasionally, but very little and. I don't know, man. Maybe one day I will. Maybe I can get out to McMinnville. I mean, I got an open invitation from Todd, but we'll see, man. I've spent, you know, they say the fish of a thousand cast. I've spent way more than that, dude.
3: It's all right. <laughs> that's uh that's money in the bank. It's, it it could happen at any time when you're, yeah, you're absolutely, trying, you know?
0: absolutely.
3: So now on, on a tying note, how, have you ever got into tying or some of the flies that you were fishing as you came into the streamer game, your flies or or are you just getting them from here and there and other fishy dudes?
0: No. Um, by the time I started fishing streamers, I was fishing 100% flies that I tied myself. Um, some of them are my own design. Some of them are, you know, sex dungeons, things like that. Um, but, uh, by the time that I stopped sort of, and I haven't really stopped, but by the time I quit fishing a couple of years ago to pursue this business that I'm doing, um, I was sort of steering more back to, um, less articulated, less like time consuming and more utilitarian streamers and stuff. I've, I've gone through the whole cycle of like, fishing nothing but Klauser minnows and then starting to fish nothing but these super elaborate like uh articulated streamers and then i had really come back around to utilitarian where just like simple but effective you know
1: so the murdage minnow uh,
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) pretty much (laughs) so in speaking
1: uh you were talking about smallmouth also uh yes. the Murdish Minnow, man. Dude, that's my jam for the smallmouth. Oh,
0: mouth. dude, it kills. It absolutely kills. Although around here what I found works better than just about anything is um just pretty much any huge like woolly bugger uh inspired crayfish pattern, you know, preferably a conehead. Like it seems like getting down deep around here like autumn splendors work really well um getting deep quickly the fish out here they tend to be tucked up under trees and stuff like that under submerged logs and so the water is pushing pretty hard so you got to be able to punch down quickly and get it in front of them i've never really had any luck with uh top water out here um i've thrown them i've thrown a lot of them and i've caught a few fish but to catch a lot of the smallmouth here, I just find that getting deep is the way.
3: Are those fish, the smallmouth mixed in with some of the trout
0: in your area, or? Occasionally, um, like, the French Broad is where I was mainly fishing, mainly floating for smallies. I have some wade spots closer to my house, but uh, yeah, you'll occasionally catch like a big trout. A lot of times, it's like a brood mother that they've stocked in the river, and it's just held over in there, you know. So they're usually pretty like colorless and pallid when they're in the smallmouth water. So hey, buddy, how?
1: I know everything's general and vague. How good were you at skateboarding before you, uh, before you gave it up to take fly fishing back up?
0: Oh, I mean, (laughs) you know, pretty good. I I mainly, I mainly street skated. Um, I was definitely doing very big tricks. Uh, I skated from, The time, like when I started skating in '87, boards were like a foot wide and had no nose and shit like that. Yeah, man, I know what you mean.
1: The Nash boards and...
0: Well, beyond Nash, but even like good boards like the Zorlac and Santa Cruz and SMA and all this, um, they were all just like, they had the slightest little nose and tons of concave. And it was, when I started, it was still all about like no complies and launch ramps and quarter pipes and stuff like that. And I skated right through the evolution of board shape and the evolution of it becoming more technical and I was sort of on that wave of, technical tricks. And I skated with a lot of really good skaters. And so like, you know, yeah, I, I definitely skated really hardcore for about 20 plus years. And uh, don't ever question him, Chad (laughs) (laughs) wrecked myself. My parents owned a skate park, uh, when I was 14 and I, I fucking, broke the shit out of my leg so like we owned the park for two That's years <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we owned you, the park until
1: you sued yourself and now you owned it right
0: <laughs> <laughs> well no no until my parents lost all their money because there was really no money to be had in owning a skate park but i have three brothers we all skated you know my parents were like fuck it we'll buy a skate park it'll be great you know
2: <clears throat> man but, they love uh, you it, <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. But it wound up, you know, costing them. They went bankrupt and it cost them quite a bit to repair my leg that I was in a cast for a full year, full year on crutches, man. Ah,
3: they're all right. They love you even more.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. But one year to the day, I was back to skating. And from that point, it moved to all street. You know, I skate many ramps in street. I still skate some, you know, but not much, man. Like I'll go roll around the park now, but that's about it. But yeah, for years, dude, all the guys I skated with were extremely hardcore, you know, like <laughs> there, there's a small
1: syndicate of, of guys up in this area that, that have skateboarded and are fly fishermen. Um, I, I used to skateboard quite a bit. Uh, I was never really good, but, uh, I've got back into it since my son's been around. And uh, Don, uh, Don Santner, you know Don? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a I skater. i fished with him. Yeah, Don's a good dude. We went to a Lucero concert with him. Nice. Don, Don's he, good people. He's a
3: really cool dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got to, uh, I had the privilege of spending a weekend with him and Kyle and uh, Ben Furyk. And, um, that um, couldn't have
1: been any fun.
0: The, Porno Mike. They're like a clique um and Matt Pike and we all spent the weekend at Kyle's house and smallmouth fishing and um yeah I'm still recovering from that that's been a couple
1: <laughs>
0: couple years ago
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah Kyle came
1: up the Erie one time man my liver still hurts Oh That was like 4 years ago or
0: no Oh yeah no man. my son
1: wasn't even born yet that was 7 years ago
0: <laughs> Well I was uh I rode out in 2011, um, me and Kyle and Woolybugger all went to Arkansas for the White River Bake, and it was the infamous White River Bake with that, FTG. Fuck that the guy! Fuck that guy! Yes, okay. man, I was, I was there.
1: <laughs> this, this is going deep Drake message boards. Oh, fun. dude! If anyone yeah, doesn't yes, know, yes,
0: definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild trip, dude. Let me tell you, I've never seen, I've been around some crazy shit at parties and stuff. I have never seen anyone lose their shit like FTG. That was bizarre and hilarious and disturbing. Why would a
3: guy name, be named that?
0: Well, <laughs> apparently, um, he outsider was outsider question. Yeah, well, apparently he was um, not very good at listening to recommendations on how to drink uh, moonshine. You know, they were like, you know, you don't drink this like beer. And apparently he he went off on it, dude. And he lost his shit. Like, I've never seen anything like it, man. And, And it culminated in him leaving when he was supposed to he had been put on the couch by uh, some i believe westchester and somebody else and they told him not to fucking move go to sleep you know because he was like attacking people trying to wrestle with people it was crazy and so then we heard a car leave and we heard it hit another car and he had gotten behind the wheel and he had run into kyle's truck and fucked it up and uh It was snowy. It was zero degrees. They had to call the cops. The cops had already picked him up because he had wrecked off the road into the woods. Um, His wife brought his wife came the next day to pick up his cooler and shit. And you like, if looks could kill, dude, the way she was looking at all of us standing there. I mean, it was it was crazy.
1: Like you made him drink the moonshine.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Did you totally. saw? You should have said, Sorry, fuck that guy's wife.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody said a word. Everybody was just like, Oh my God, did you see the look on that lady's face, man? <laughs> but yeah, <the laughs> oh boy, deep Drake and shit. Dude. I'll tell you what,
1: some of the best trips I've been on are with dudes from the Drake boards.
0: Of course, man. It's the most hardcore people, like, you know a lot of people might think that a lot of the the people on there were assholes or whatever and it's like well they were they, and we are they were <laughs> and it's like that is why it's like to this day it's like there was never any better board than that because it was exclusive you know you had to come with a good intro and right from the beginning they would just tear you to shreds dude and it's like It was great that weeds out the riffraff that makes it good nowadays everybody's just soft and inclusive it's the same thing with skateboarding man (laughs) (laughs) we gotta give them
3: credit still even if they're not good
0: well that's true yeah they gotta get their trophy but no it's like (laughs) skateboarding dude these days you know when i was skateboarding like if you were out on the street down here you were either going to get attacked or get in a fight or at least almost get in a fight every single day because people fucking hated it and nowadays it's like little group like church groups of children and they're all and that's great you know that's great but like it's just not what it was you know i'm a crotchety old man now
3: so so punk rock minus the punk <laughs> so, i mean so buddy just you- you're not a dad right now, right?
0: I am not. No.
1: Okay. I have a son who's six, and he's like just at the cusp of you know pushing boundaries and pushing the limit.
3: I'm like, we can almost break the shell that's around I, him. I really <laughs> want to. <laughs> We're almost him, there.
1: I really want to give him a skateboard. Oh yeah. But I really don't. I mean, he has a skateboard, and we've we've pushed off like I've pushed him up ramps and stuff. But uh, I don't really want to get him into doing a street shit because i know what i did you know i went to oh yeah i went to yeah exactly i went to the the dirty guy's house you went to rough places we smoked weed on the the sidewalk you know we thought it was cool yes and and my son's so (sighs) innocent. i can't think of that you know
0: (laughs) oh and i feel you dude if i had kids it's like i think about that a lot with my friends who have kids, it's like, you know, skateboarding was like one of the best things in my life. But would I want my child to be involved in in that? I don't know, man. Beyond even the weed smoking and the friends that were like robbing places and and doing all this fucked up shit, it's like also – you're going to get like you're going to have some serious injuries and i feel like kids they're going to have that regardless but with skateboarding you you're pretty much guaranteeing it you you're know?
1: asking for it <laughs> yeah i buddy i i was also a football player so i i played football oh, man. and i skateboarded so uh i was just like you know all aggression all the time like oh yeah you know, yeah but of... you
3: were born in a time where if you weren't rough and tough you didn't live you died. I, exactly, yeah. Yeah,
1: so now I, I see how big... I'm, I'm raising veal, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. I just oh, yeah. I really want to
3: give him a It's skateboard. only going to take a couple more years, Chad. That's it.
0: Well, and I mean, the thing is, as fucked up as, as the skateboarding world was for us and stuff, it's like, you know... I also feel like some of the best people I know came out of that, and so I—I I don't know, man. That's a tough one, dude. But if it was me, I probably would get him a skateboard and just, you know,
3: build him a know, skate man. park. Fucking right, we could do that.
0: Yeah, you have no exactly. idea how many
3: how many times I've had plans to build a mini
1: ramp in our backyard. Did, wait, <laughs> didn't didn't
3: you have a little oh, little dude. setup in the?
1: I did it, but I sold it when I was like twenty. Ah, selling like, shit. No. You need. I was like twenty-two, is when I need beer money. Fuck the mini ramp, man! <laughs>
0: build a build a concrete like mini bowl.
3: Can be
1: done. He got he got the spot for it. We got the spot for it, and uh, my my stepdad has befriended a twenty-two-year-old dude who runs an excavating company.
0: Oh my god, dude! <laughs> yeah, you man. You build that, I will be there with bells there on, go. man. I'll come up for a fishing trip, skate trip. Oh, we'll do that, buddy. Oh, bring, yeah, your, we'll, bring your
1: clousers. I'll take you back in the woods. We'll pick some mushrooms. We'll find some uh, oh, some, yeah. some salamanders. Oh, I yeah, found two dude, two salamanders yesterday.
3: I'll get you a muskie. Orange spotted. They're pretty cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's muskie, too.
1: Speaking of that, what, yeah, what reptiles... You get me and, a
0: muskie.
1: What reptiles and salamanders were you finding down there with your old man back in the day?
0: Oh, dude. As a kid, I caught, like almost every species of snake that was my favorite shit was catching snakes but like spotted salamanders northern reds um firebelly newts um the um eastern hognose snake is one of my favorites snake, the the eastern hognose snake is not a newt. It's a snake. <laughs> uh, but, uh,
3: it's a line from Matilda, man, little movie my kids yeah. are hella into. Oh, but, uh, nice. Well, well, what's up? So so I know you went to the White River and, and threw maybe some of your – is there any other fishing explorations you've been on or, or just maybe one thing that sticks out from from being with the guys and, and being on that fishing trip throughout your career? Uh,
0: well – On that fishing trip in particular, uh, that was so crazy because it was like zero degrees. It was insanely cold at night, and we would get up at like five in the morning and be on the river. Um, I didn't specifically catch any amazing fish that trip. I did hook into quite a few, but that whole trip... The thing that sticks out in my mind is just like it was one of the best times on a trip I've had. It was so crazy. It had everything, man. like <laughs> crazy. the right cops, people
3: in the right scenarios it, plus police
0: exactly and and also just getting to put faces to a lot of the dudes who I had talked shit with through the boards and stuff. and, just seeing how cool everybody was, you know, they're like, you think they're cool for meeting them through online or whatever, and you meet them and they're like a million times cooler than what you thought they were, you know? And so what mostly sticks out on, in my mind about any of the trips I've spent with, with other people is usually just like the conversations, the hanging out, the intense like situations that we get in because like, I've been in tornadic conditions with some of these people on the river and had to just ride it out on a on a rising river with trees falling and shit. And just the intensity, man, of of this crazy thing that we do that's really serves no purpose other than living every in the moments. That's that's exactly. what we're doing. Yes. Exactly. Yes. yes, exactly.
3: So has has any uh, uh excursions take you to the salt yet have you have you delved into any salt fishing um
0: not fly fishing i've done quite a bit of surf fishing back in the day like when i was younger and um that's always been fun but i have yet to have the opportunity to actually do any salt fly fishing that's something that's high on my bucket list
3: i hear that's where it's at they, they say yeah, these I've... freshwater fish ain't fast at all
0: No, that's what I hear. Like, um, you know, the guy I paint houses with, he he spent a lot of time in Belize. And, um, you know, he's always telling me just how amazing it is and showing me pictures and making me jealous.
1: Buddy, fuck them fish. Go catch carp
0: carp are fun man and they're a blast
3: they're steady they're, they're dependable and with
0: that with that little uh, boat that i'm cleaning up now i've got some nice carp flats close by i uh i throw my yeti up on that back deck and i can pull that little skiff and it's it's from what i understand it's a lot like saltwater fishing except for a stinking fish you know they stink
1: they do stink, and they're slimy, and it doesn't wash off your hands very well.
0: Oh, no, But man. it's so you're gratifying. Soiled. Well, yeah, yeah. It's well worth it, too, man. It's it's so worth the stink. Oh, it goes
1: really well with, like, man sweat. Like, if you rub oh, it yeah, on your dude. shirt, it makes for the best smelling <laughs> shirt ever.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's going <laughs> to smell that way forever. It's great.
1: If you're wearing a black shirt, it looks like a Bukkake video.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, very,
1: <laughs>
0: very much.
1: Oh man, but hey, do you ever get into cicadas? That that should be popping right about now for you, right? What stinks? Um,
0: I I have seen a couple shucks in my garden already, and I have not personally gotten into them, but um. I have seen videos from friends of mine who have hit them just right when the carp are eating them and holy shit, dude. Dude, carp I carp on top water.
1: I dude, I had one uh I threw a a, a mop fly that looked like a chunk of bread last week. Uh-huh. I, I had a carp slash at it like a small mouth and just fucking inhale it and like slash and like jet away. I was like God damn, this is fucking awesome. Imagine if that was six <laughs> inches higher on top.
0: I <laughs> know, oh, holy shit they fight so good too
1: so uh what what's your your uh your main go to for a carp setup? I know mine's a six weight
0: um, my main one is a scott s four s eight weight. It really laid down um <laughs> And uh, <laughs> with a floating line um, and just, just a long enough leader, it's very shallow flats where I'm fishing. And so, you know, it's able to punch through the wind really well, actually. And so just that's it for me, man. S4S 8 weight. I also have an S4S 6 weight. I fish both of them for a uh, smallmouth as well. So,
1: buddy, is there a is there anything that we haven't hit on that you would
0: like to? Uh, anything you'd like to talk about, man? I I don't know. I'm not the most interesting person in the world. So
1: I don't know, man. We've been going for about an hour. Um where where can people go and find your uh, your tinctures and your uh your uh mushroom and herbal business at?
0: Okay, so they can check that out at RootEarth.com, it's all word with the word and spelled, not the N symbol. So it's rootandearth.com and they can check me out on uh, Instagram at Blue underscore Ridge underscore Angler. And uh, they can also look me up on Facebook. If they look cool, I will accept friend requests.
1: Um, (laughs) If they have a skateboard or a fly rod, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. If they look like creeps or freaks, uh, it's (laughs) going to be sitting there for quite some time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking funny, bro. I mean, (laughs) bruh. (laughs) So, man, hey, it's been fun as hell, man. hell yeah
0: man thank you very much
1: for uh letting us have some time with you
0: absolutely hopefully we'll get to fish sometime and skate maybe
1: yeah man bring your ass on up here we'll catch some muskie. we'll skate uh we got a local skate park around here um i took my son to a couple uh city council meetings to try to keep the skate park open last year just uh you know trying to be aggressive with the uh, city politics, you know?
0: Nice, nice. That's how well, I- if, you're down, if you're down this way, man, we got several parks around. Everything from mellow to very burly. So come on down and we'll skate.
1: Yeah, man, we're in. Um, are you, did you say you're around the Asheville area?
0: I'm about an hour south of there. I live out in the country. It's called uh, Green Creek. You can look it up. You'll find it on a map. Um, it's just a tiny little area in the middle of nowhere, but I have skate parks within, you know, 20 minutes of me in several directions and they're free, you know, they're public parks. So
1: hell yeah, man. If you're around Nashville, I'm sure it's Ooh. good craft beer.
0: Oh, definitely. Dude. <laughs> Not only there, there's good craft beer everywhere
3: here. So. Yeah, are we, are we still on there? We are. Oh shit. I was <laughs> going to ask for some tips.
1: All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's cut this on off right. So, thank you very much, buddy.
0: Yeah, right on. We enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, so have I. Thanks so much. We'll talk at some point in the future.
3: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the eighth wonder of the world. The flow of the century. Oh, it's timeless. Ho! Thanks for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me i appreciate that uh. h to the Izzo, V to the is a for shizzle my nizzle used to dribble down in v was herving them in the home of the turpins got it dirt cheap for them plus if they were short with cheese i would work with them More than we got rid of that dirt for them wasn't born hustlers i was birthing them h to the iso V to the is a for cheesy my knees keep my arms so breezy can't leave Rap alone, the game needs me. Haters want me clapped, they chrome,
0: it ain't easy. Cops wanna knock me, DA wanna box me in, but somehow I beat them charges like Rocky. H to the ISO, B to the a Not guilty, he who does not feel me is not real to me, therefore he doesn't exist. So poof, that move, son of a bitch. H to the ISO, B to the ISA. But Shizzle, my Nizzle used to dribble down at VA. H to the ISO, B to the
3: A. That's the anthem. Get your damn hands up. But Shizzle, man, Apparently, uh, that was cool one time, and Snoop wasn't the only one using it. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Hova is where it's at. But Shizzle, uh well, he is a billionaire, so... I've been East
1: Coast for my whole life, bro.
3: Well, no, they, they're they running on the local radio station right now the whole weekend. It's, it's called the Take Hova, so it's all Jay-Z. I'm talking, like... You know, way, way old school. Every every song you can imagine, like, I don't know, back in the day, music was different. You would get an album and either you'd be like, oh, it grew on me, or, you know, you, these are classics, pretty much. Like, every, all the way back to Blueprint and all that stuff, like, you could almost listen the, to the all Blueprints, the songs. The Blueprints, where's that? Well, I mean, all the songs were... Not highly popular, but still good songs. You know what I mean? You, would, you could listen to them through and through. So, I don't know. Jay-Z, Timeless, I guess. Fuck, he dates Beyonce or whatever they do together. Her, man. He's fucking married to her. Yeah, he's probably tired of that shit, too.
1: <laughs> so, guys, uh, we we haven't talked since last Friday night. Yeah, we just
3: got to, to talk with the Mushroom slash artist slash all kinds of shit. And that, that guy's li- lived... Uh, a very the real dude. Oh, uh, uh, various types of things. You would, you know, most people we talk to are one, two, you know, don't don't have many, many, many hobbies. This guy, he seems like he's done a ton of things. So, kudos to you and good luck in your mushrooming endeavors, because sounds pretty fun.
1: I know, man. Uh, after we we cooled the mics down a little bit. Jason and I were picking his brain a little bit.
3: So, Ah, he's just a you know, you know, but like any sport, I I guess you can call that a sport, right? You're out there trying. If NASCAR's yeah.
1: a sport, this is a sport.
3: Ah, hunting's <laughs> a damn sport, but it, it it's getting, you know, it's getting out of hand, it, you know, you get all this technology thrown into it and it almost seems less less wild, you know what I mean, but but in turn to to be a forager or the outdoors is ever changing and to learn it is to me that's that's a little bit of clout like you know i i revere that as clout to be a woodsman so in a dying age of you know that not being cool sweet i like it
1: so uh hey since the last time we've talked ryan's been here ryan's been in town and he caught some fish man did you go out with him at all
3: yeah we got fish but it was dismal at best nah we caught fish it Throughout the day, there were ups and downs, you know, period of downtime between catching some smaller smallmouth mixed in. I think we caught green bass. We caught a variation of fish. I pulled a walleye. We had a... Really?
2: Green got, bass down through there.
3: Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I got one the earlier. The one I caught season. was I the think green bass. Both, I think we both caught one that day. Um, yeah. He got a decent smallmouth. I don't know, 16, 17. It wasn't a, wasn't a giant, but it was a, a good fish for our day, but... You know, we get there with high hopes to catch wipers, and I don't know. I just don't feel like like these areas are holding them yet. I feel, I still feel like we're behind from where we normally are. You know, our temperatures are just coming up for for an aggressive fish. I don't feel like you know, fifty degrees is where it's at. I'm, they're there, but the wa- Once they get there and they get acclimated to
1: it. Yeah, it, the water goes away.
3: Yeah, we didn't have you know? the water to make those fish, you know, well, per se th- feed in the scenario.
2: You've said it best. That thing's a little crank. I know,
3: yeah. They're not. Chick, chick, yeah, good. They're All right.
2: not. You've said it best, though. Still a little much. Oh, am I on yeah,
3: here? I you you turning me down? No. I don't
2: know what he's doing there. I don't now. hear me. He's Do done you done hear he? me? Uh, hey, can
3: you hear me? Hear me now. All right. All right. Well, that's, yeah, you guys that's, just switched. That's way down. There we Turn go. There we go.
2: Keep going. There we go. Keep going. But so yeah, no, no. so the the scenario but, but you is... you said it best. When you're dealing with situations like this and that water drops, if you're not the first one over them or right before the end of the night, they've yeah, it, seen it all. They're sitting there looking No, there's, off. It's there's right
3: there. multiple people per day now fishing it, whether, whether it's gear or fly or, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't think that our water this year, per se, as last year was high enough, long enough you, in, in the spring run season. How would know? your
2: smallies eat? High and quick, low and slow.
3: It was more of a low and slow game. It? Uh, yeah, it, Clouser's down. You, uh, nothing, nothing big fish fast was has been the thing yet, and I, I that's how I like to fish like that. I don't like to fish just that, just subsurface. And I've had no fish come up in blast like that. I this was probably two weeks now, but since the last time we talked, I went down, and it was crazy high water. I picked a few fish up, but only in the folds next to shore. I just don't see the number of fish in there due to our lack of high water. We had it and it it resided, you know, and it was at a bad time. So I think some of the fish are going to be in different parts of the system and maybe it'll be a better year in other areas. I just don't think the area I fish really hard has the number of fish due to the long or, or the short high water scenario versus it staying high i will put a caveat
1: to that because i went and fish a different area in the same watershed today and it was fucking on fire man not for the hybrids but for smallmouth bass and i will tell you what man i i could not not catch them. You I could not not, not catch them. Oh no, I missed about ten fish. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, I really did. I missed about ten fish, but I still caught about a dozen.
3: What are you throwing in a smaller creek? Are you throwing just clawsers or?
1: No, I'm not throwing clawsers. I'm throwing bigger, art- articulated, like a sex dungeon with a with a laser dub head sculpted
3: around.
1: Two and a half inch, three inch. About three incher. It's about three inches, and. Dude, I could not keep the fish off of it. Yeah, but it, that
3: that's a whole different world. That's
1: like okay. And that was super clear. Today was super clear. And uh, I'll tell you what. Seen it all happen. I watched every bit of it happen, <laughs> and I was doing like Tommy was saying. I was trying to bow cast, and the bow cast wasn't working, so I was stripping like and walking with the fly, and that's when it was happening. You know, like Tommy was talking about with the trout. I was doing it with the smallmouth. In I was in a boat, I was walking and I'd cast and I'd walk with the fly. Oh my god, dude. They were fucking on fire. <laughs>
3: I'm gonna go down there and peel your fish a little bit, sore their lips up. That's fine, man. Hey No, I haven't I haven't actually like I I don't know, I've walked down there. It it's good water. There there's no doubt that nobody's casting in there. Not a fly for sure. You no know? man, there there's nobody down there. I got kicked out of there once. Did I ever tell you that? I wouldn't doubt it by
1: he said he owned that facility
3: i I won was it daytime
1: it was daytime like
3: like daytime working daytime yeah i I bet the guy did he come in off them like uh the rocks there
1: on no the one he side? he was
3: there at work he was there. in
1: a suit and tie, standing on the, the oh the if train he was bridge. in
3: a suit and tie, it was probably this guy named Mike, and yeah, he owns that <laughs> standing on the train bridge, <laughs> well, the thing is is I asked this guy for permission and. And my uncle works down there. He's, like, pretty much telling me, go ahead. I'm like, ask this dude if I can come down and he can sign something. He's like, I can't sign something, but go fuck ahead. You know, so, man, it's a weird world. When people tell you to do shit that's illegal, you do shit that's illegal. Yeah, man. I, fuck. I, What'd I you used... do? Did you get out of the water tell them, thanks?
1: At that time, I had my cousin from Maryland with me who didn't have an, oh,
3: a, a, a license
1: life. for that state. And... We just said, All right, see ya.
3: We'll turn nah. around and go. Oh, back. Um, uh, you never know, man. Who knows? Maybe he had a bad day. But usually I, in that area people don't care unless you're like me and you're parking on the side of the road and they know you're like uh, gonna they, kill everything.
1: They were doing business on the bridge and we were Lines fuck, and we were fucking <laughs> it up. You know what I mean?
3: We're <laughs> doing business up here, boss.
1: So but like I said, this this creek smallmouth deal is is crazy
3: on fire. Nah, I haven't had a hot spring of fishing. I have mainly a couple of trips where I caught fish and a lot of slow trips. I, don't, I haven't been out fishing much. It's turkey season for another week, and it's pretty much been me looking for mushrooms in my downtime and crappie fishing. Crappie is on fire right now. So this is the only time you
1: assholes are ever going to hear me say this. I wish Jay was here to tell this story. Yeah. I saw some eyebrows (laughs) raised. That's bold. Let's hear it. So I guess last week he was floating a creek with his wife and PJ. And he met some people. Like he said, hey guys, hey guys, I'm going to go behind you. And they said, hey, you're that guy from that podcast. You're Jay. They, They recognized his nasally voice. And they said, hey, is that Chad with you? They thought PJ was me. I, I got. It's it. not a local creek. I, it was a local creek. <laughs> somebody
3: said that at the Beast, and I'm like, yeah, I'm on that podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it wasn't, wasn't at the Trout uh, Creek.
1: Oh, I bet you. Yeah. So, so he got, Jay got recognized, and then he, he was telling me the people liked when I got one too many beers in me and started saying ludicrous things and outlandish effed up things. To, so so, so who, they,
3: they knew where to fish Because of Jason
1: Whoever that was Thank you And uh,
3: this beer's for you this, last, this one too many
2: I'm fishing a crap load And I have an absolute Well, no, streak. You,
3: well you guys Well I mean Ryan we'll, we'll continue with the little piece of Ryan being here He he was able to hook into one nice striper Got it all the way up short Boom loses it I'm like well what happened Well, life happens. So, we lost that fish. We continued to fish, fish, fish. Fished into dark, you know. And then went and got some grub, and you guys woke up and did it all again. Jason took him on a float. He was able to uh, get out where Rick... I wasn't (laughs) wasn't there. I'm just going to tell Jason's story. I'm sure he'll tell it worse than I do. But, no, they went down through uh, the upper section of the float, where it's usually good smallmouth flows were right. And they caught fish, but there was, you know what I mean, there was time he said where it was you know they did well and then stretches where they didn't catch anything so i met him down where we fished where me and ryan fished at the local spot when they got down there and i was watching him. rick's pulling fish after fish after fish it walleye crappie it it, every species like he pulled a bunch of fish in front of me and i'm like god damn we didn't even catch that many yesterday together in four hours and they're they're yanking them in yeah, you know, Lots of smaller, small mouths, a couple of that weren't bad, but uh, Ryan hands me the rod, and I'm like, hey, mine was in truck, I didn't plan on fish, whatever. I make a couple casts, I think I slapped it in to get some line out, and a fish bit it, and I'm like, lost him real quick, you know, just slap your line to get some line out, like a small... I know how you do, bro. <laughs> and, and So I flick it back in there, and then I, you know, two casts later, and boom, I like, the fish ate it, and... And he had already ate it. I let him eat it. It was kind of like a, a dead drift swing in this little, you know, one little flow. I hook into this fish. He's nice. Like, he runs off, gets, you know, clears the line. I, you know, I got his rod. But I in the rod into this fish, like, all the way to the cork. So I know I got him. But how he ate it wasn't that aggressive eat where he got the fly in his mouth. He probably had that fly on his lip, like a... It was like a jig style fly, like a, you know what I mean, a buggy jigger or whatever the hell he ties, tungsten head, and it had a mean hook on it, and I only had him in the skin. So, that fish fights for a second, runs up to the falls, uh, I want to assume it was a striper. It was either a striper or or something really big, like, you know, a really big smallmouth, but I pulled the hook. I pulled the hook, you know what I mean, and there's no doubt about it, it wasn't my setup, I ain't gonna say that, I wasn't used to it, you could be able to catch a fish on any rod that you hand me, but... Yeah, I fucking, I had the beast, in it, because them guys already fished it over. they, it, He gave me the rod, and I hooked up, and I was pissed, like, oh, sorry, guys, I lost that fish. But I pulled the hook. There's no doubt about it. So, I don't know, I guess there is a happy medium. It, it depends on how they eat. If you got a fish hooked, like, inside his mouth to out with the barb all the way through it, you could do what you want with that rod. You could Good bury into it. Good luck trying to
1: get one unhooked
3: yeah that's what i mean you're you're probably not lose that fish but when they're like i said i think it's still early in the season the slower the the deeper is the bite and and then they're less aggressive they're not oh, you know what i mean they're not jumping on that fly and and when they eat it like that it could be stuck in their lip they you could be feeding a fish that doesn't really want to eat but he's not passing it up you know and when they bite when that you know how fish looks. You've seen bass probably do it in your bass fishing. Just just lip that worm, or just have it in their mouth. Like that's what it was. And I stuck them through some skin, but I pulled it. So
1: I'll tell you what. Ah. For for musky fishing, that's why I have went to all double hooks, like frog hooks. Just for that reason, because I don't want to just lip it and be able to have me strip set it out of their mouth.
3: Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, they press down on it it, they're putting pressure on the hook now i guess yeah well they smacked all kind of fish and then they left from that area to finish their float which was probably only another quarter mile wasn't wasn't much left to it and
1: i had already caught a fish in that quarter mile
3: well you fished it in the morning i went and met (laughs) them down there they all caught fish It, it was it was a a good bite that day there there was there was some fish there and they were biting so but uh, Ryan ran into a little bit bigger smallmouth, so 18 or I don't I don't know what it was. We posted a picture of it. It was a nice fish. I think they said just a hair over 18. Take it's them out, they come. One. Yeah. No, right in downtown, man. Beautiful downtown, scaring. <laughs> 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 no, I like the background. The, the winner, the winner. <laughs> yeah. No, that, it's definitely. Uh... I don't know. I if you. If you fish, that's cool. But if you fly fish, you would never end up here. You would never end up here. This it is not
1: a destination place. No, and, you know and the what thing I mean? is,
3: it's, it's, it's probably not... It's a good thing for us, but there's... Destination there's, an hour north. Yeah, there's quality. There's a lot of quality fishing that nobody takes advantage of, and, and we get a chance on that, so that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, Jason, Jason took them through the float. Uh, They were anxious to get done. They didn't go do the, the second part that... That they were thinking they would do, so cut it short, bullshitted for a while, and and Ryan went back home. So, we miss you already, man.
1: Yeah, man, I miss Ryan. We we went to Jay's house afterwards and started drinking some beers. Ryan gave me my first natter day of the season.
3: Hmm. (laughs) But, man... and Rick was there, and I was making fun of guys for their fucking farmer tans that they caught. And boy, I went out the next day and baked my neck. So karma's a bitch, man. I'll Wear you wh- your sun gear, please. Believe me, it it's worth it. A hundred to one. I got sunspots. I got sunspots on my hand. My neck is peeling, and this is from one day of sun, one single moment of like two to three hours of high midday sun when I wanted to catch some crappie that I'm gonna fucking eat. And I took a like. A really bad burn, and that's stupid, man. Wear your shit. It's smart. Gloves and everything every time. Don't yeah. don't sell yourself out because you, know, you will be paying for it. I went out today in a cut-off t-shirt and my waders, and uh, my shoulders are my shoulders are definitely burned. I don't take I don't take the sun well, especially. Look, we just had however many months with limited sun, you know, and they the, weren't cold months, but they were limited sun. Yeah, we, it, that shit it it hurts like. One time to get, I don't know, you know, but nobody wants skin cancer. So, we talked to a guy who had to get what do you say, scoop face, scoop the skin off his face. So, yeah, none of that stuff, man. Wear your protective gear. Check out, check into gloves if you're not wearing them already. Like everything needs covered. Be smart. So, Mark, uh, do you want to talk about yesterday at all or not?
2: Nah? Yeah, we can head on it. Okay. Yeah, we, we had put. Well, last week too, I took Macy out.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was
2: cool. Yeah. We, we, took we definitely got to gotta talk about that. That was tough, though. Man, who
1: crap? That was me. That
3: was bad. <laughs> I never do that. Jesus. But So you went to the local lake on the boat. Uh, oh, you're stripping a, some flies, or were you casting absolute, some gear? No,
2: I was stripping flies the whole time. That place was an absolute zoo. <laughs> it well, it was oh, 70. It was, it was ridiculous. But we had all that rain a few days before, and it turned everything to mud, and it still was dingy. So I just had her throwing rattle traps and... They were hard to get on. I mean, we ended up finally finding some fish on structure in heavy mud. She picked up a few bass through there. Uh, got a nice little pike. I had one fish. She had just caught a bass. She was reeling in. Another fish hits it. I turn back, look back, and a nice big smallmouth comes up and just hammers a fly at the boat. Farm that fish. But for the most part of the day, I fished, like, single river pick, like, a river uh, Bufords. So like six, seven inch, eight inch, smaller stuff for smallmouth and pike, but fairly ineffective. But she had a good day. She got handful of bass, crappie, nice and little pike.
1: That pike was nice, man. Yeah, it was good. That was a good pike. Was she super stoked on that? Oh yeah. Did it jump? Yeah, I did. So
2: it like, Cause she caught it right out of a tree that we were sitting on.
1: So dang thing, dang near jumped into the boat. So do you want to hear a funny story about tree fishing? Yesterday, my wife and I were on a bicycle ride around a a local lake south of us. And uh, we're riding. And there was this pontoon boat. Like, they're flipping up into this uh, lay-down tree. And my wife was like, what are they fishing for? And You know, I was 50 feet behind her. I was like, probably crappie! You know? And she was like, how do you know that? I was like, because of their vessel. And <laughs> it's where, not a bass boat. Where they why? are. <laughs> so, you know, I was yelling at her. And uh, <laughs> um, so we, that was about mile marker four for us. So we went up to mile marker seven and then turned around and came back. And when we go back to mile marker four, we looked. And they had anchored that pontoon boat to wherever they were. And they were standing on the tree that they were fishing on. I said, actually, those guys aren't fishing for anything. They're just assholes.
3: Maybe they were vertical fishing. Uh.
1: I have no idea what they were doing, but they were standing in the tree. Oh, no. no, 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 nothing gets better. See that.
3: I have a little story like that. Um, yeah, I watch these guys come into the, there's a new tree down in this little bay I fish for the crappy, and, and they, they kind of went right up to it, and I'm like, damn, where are you trying to fish? Like, you, you parked on them, you know what I mean? Then they broke a few lines off, then they're like, ah, drive me over there, I don't want to break it off. I'm like, the fuck are you old men doing? Like, I understand, I don't I don't really give a shit what you do in <laughs> a boat, but... Wait, like that but, structure is there because that's where the the fish are there. Stay but, back. But a sometimes
1: bit. it's nice to just sit back and watch. Oh, it oh. was great.
3: It was great. I just looked cool. at them like I wasn't fishing that structure, but I'm like, well, I wouldn't have did it like that. But I'll, and I'll then give, they buzzed off. You know, what I mean. I'll
1: give you one thing.
3: Today I was at that little creek, smallmouth fishing,
1: and I walked up onto a, a little flat that had like a couple little depressions in it. Right underneath the train trestle bridge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I look around. Oh, there's like a 16-inch smallmouth chasing a 12-inch smallmouth. I look over. There's like... There had to have been eight smallmouth just shooting around this little flat. Like, I was really... they never seen you. No, I was really disrupt, disrupting some shit. Like, my presence being there. Mm-hmm. And They didn't care? Uh, no, I was really disrupting some shit. Like, they didn't want me being there. Oh, no shit. No, not at all. Huh. So, uh, yeah, that that was one thing. I was like, oh, uh, I really fucked that up. And then I was like, all right. Well, I'm, at that point, I had put a, a cart fly on. And uh, so I was like, all right, well, nuts to it. <laughs> I cut my cart fly off and put my smallmouth fly back on. And uh, from, that, from that point on, it was smallmouth all day. So... But th- when I walked back up creek, those fish still hadn't settled down. Like like stock drought shooting all around? Yeah, they, they were not. Huh. Like they hadn't settled down. I couldn't catch them.
3: Well, you know for next time. Yeah, I, I don't, definitely do. Don't, don't peek your beak up over there. Well, you definitely know
1: for next time because I'm going to leave those fish set for like oh, two or three weeks. Take,
3: I, don't, I don't even go down there, man. I'm scared of the ticks. I want to go buy water, man. Water or weeds. That that shit's cool. It's getting hot now. Yeah, man. Now, I, I I hope that you know we get some some rain and and higher flows, and I could enjoy the fishing into the summer. Cause if not, man, if we stay low, this is gonna suck. The fishing will be dismal. I I know for a fact. Yeah, man. Our water temps at sixty, and if we don't carry on with some water, it's gonna shoot up fast. And you know what? My pond across the street. Is a mud pile.
1: Macy went over there Gee, just what I two hours ago no. and no. caught mm. caught two bluegill. Yeah. Two. It's dirty. That's it. Back to rain. yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: So we went down south and we fished a lot of different water. I mean, you have a a big. I want to say big. I mean, it's it's a big sized creek that funnels down in narrow and you go up into. We fished that the whole way down through. We fished a lot of small water. And then, I mean, you have a lot of current in the main river. Fished a lot of the current down through there, too. And just absolutely nothing until right towards, I mean, we started about 7 o'clock in the morning and fished when probably you're five, six, seven
1: different areas throughout up until that point. When you're fishing the heavy current, what was the water temps? Like 62 through there. So they should be moving. They should be active.
2: You would surely think, but you gotta remember, too, we had, what, blistering sun, 85 degrees. day before, we had half rain, overcast, 60 degrees. You know them fish were feeding all day. Yeah. So we fished probably four or five, probably five, six different types of areas, places. Finally went back up into the creek, and uh, Scott had one come in right to the back of the boat, but just <clears throat> long, lazy follow Three, four feet back. and
1: He got to see right, it come in.
2: Yeah, I mean, it came in, finally came right up to the back of the boat, but just had no ambition to it whatsoever. Smaller fish, and then had a pike come up, slash at the boat, and other than that, it was just quiet. So, I mean, for a new moon, you could definitely tell that the weather played a factor yesterday on or the day before. I mean, there's just nothing was moving. You had good clarity up high. I mean, you can get into some of the creeks, it was crystal clean. You can get down the mixed water, and. Mm hmm. Just one of the days you couldn't get fish to move at all.
1: Yeah, one Ran of those d- days you could do whatever you wanted.
2: Ran into gear guys, they weren't moving nothing. They hooked a couple pike, but no muskies. I mean, even they had the, uh,
1: what was that, Chapter 23 put on that tournament at Tyanesta Or 46? Six, six, 16. Is that what it was? I, is it the, the Iron mm. City, the Pittsburgh area one? No, it was
2: up at Tanya No, No, but
1: the Pittsburgh chapter? Mm-mm. No,
2: it, I think it was Chapter 46 put
1: it on. Okay, the the same guys do the the beast. No, that's 64. Okay.
2: Maybe it is the same ones. One of them, two chapters. They put one on a Tinesta, and there was only four fish caught all day.
1: And one of the, uh, the Matt Dixon caught one of yeah. them. Yeah, they He came get, in third.
2: With 31,
1: and they had a 30, and I think a
2: 36. A 46. That kid, that kid right at the end of the day with like 30 minutes left caught a 46. So. so, I mean, you could tell even with that many gear guys fishing to catch that little fish, it was a slow day.
1: Yeah. That's so... Hey, Mark, you had wanted to talk a little bit about your starter packs.
2: Yeah. Same, I mean, right now is the time for a lot of people up north getting going on it. And, you know, a lot of people are starting filling boxes up and kind of getting your feet wet for something that isn't overly expensive.
1: So what, what goes into an, an urban... You can form? quit that at any time. I'm sorry.
2: But yeah, it's horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like, just shit my pants. Yeah, go outside. So what goes into an urban fly company starter pack? Three singles and a double. And you get two singles
2: that are synthetic tails. It's like a bucktail body. Um, a Beaufort head with a wrapped uh, brush on it. So trim down. The nice part is they fish going on intermediate, like tomorrow, where I'm going to. I mean, just Memorial Day. I'm not putting a boat in the water. That's stupid. So I'm going to go fish on the river, but it's low. What
3: do you mean? From it's the first day of boat season. It's the first day what of What are you talking season. about? First day. But you've had... You've
1: had a lot of time on the flies that you're selling in these starter packs.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, anything. and they've
1: moved a lot of fish mm-hmm. and caught quite a few fish as well.
2: And speaking of that one that I showed you, that different concept.
1: Yeah, nah, I think fish is really, really well. That'll catch fish.
2: Soon.
3: You want to know what's nice is fishing sucks here. So, you know, when Mark's flies work here, when they go somewhere else, probably fucking work great. They work great, <laughs> man. <laughs> Fishing's yeah, fucking uh, tough here.
2: They've been they've been definitely put to use. So then you get a double, uh, six out in the back, and it's a shank up front. And that thing, same thing. You're going to get about probably ten inches on that one, but it's fishable with an intermediate. Which Fishes with a double,
1: with a double, is it a, a feather tail?
2: No, it's synthetic tail. Synthetic yep, tail. All of them are synthetic. So they uh, got nice bulk throughout the fly, but they fish easy. And
1: it with the synthetic the tail, they they shed water well mm-hmm. on the first. The
2: They're first super call. light. Very very light. Easy to cast.
3: This is the audience asking, why don't you have a smallmouth starter pack?
2: Yeah, because I'm sticking the musky. Because he's
3: a
1: musky dude.
2: Yeah, yeah, but
3: that's all fun. But uh, like said, even guys who like muskies like smallmouth. Yeah,
2: that's <laughs> fine. There's people that tie smallmouth yeah, flies.
3: There's, uh, yeah, they're called urban flyco. <laughs> <laughs> they they, would, I've, they I've, they're interested in tying any flies you would like.
2: I have thought about it for. A while, and I've had ideas of adding smallmouth flies, and I've came to the conclusion that moving forward, I am sticking
3: with muskies. Well, if If you if you you ask me, some of them are they're close to twofold. If you're you know some of your six seven. Uh, Now I will be making
2: like the minnow that i do in, like an eight nine inch fly. I'm gonna neck that down in size so it'll double up really. I mean I've I've caught them on the singles quite a few of them, but I am gonna have that in the neck down version here soon too, which will be effective for them, but nothing to put up there for exclusively smallmouth now.
1: Yeah, man, if you want if you want smallmouth flies, well go the, to Tony,
3: you know?
2: Tony's a great one, Eli. There's a lot of do them that, out there.
3: Man, you just buy the shit and tie them yourself. Cuz I got a lot better, better recommendation. <laughs> you you go buy the paddle tails and 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 there you go. You got a machine. Hey, if you want
1: to go catch small creek smallmouth, go buy the shit Contact us, we'll tell you how to fucking tie a fly to catch a smallmouth. That's <laughs> for sure. You know what I mean, bro? Or you could just buy them paddle tails. That's all you need.
3: <laughs> that shit looks so crazy. I every time I see one of the the like I don't care what fly you put in front of it. It it ain't got shit to do with what's behind there. That thing is that's uh that's a tool, man. Mm. Paddle tail definitely uh you you just added noise to your Presentation. So that's been out for vibration. That's been out for two weeks. I don't know a few weeks, but I've been. I haven't seen a fish linked to it yet. I've seen it swim. It's got to be an effective fly. No, it definitely has to be. But I mean, I experiment a lot with the crappie. The crappie with the tail, like that. That stuff's on a vibration level. You you got twister tails. You got straight tails. There's your the retrieve things like that. But that. That almost puts it in a realm of, of repello-like. You know what I mean? Once you start tossing that side-to-side thing around, it, it creates a little bit of sound, a little bit of... I don't even think it's emotion what they like. I think it's, you know, got something to do with how it's beating. You know what I mean? So.
1: No, I, I understand. I
3: like sound. sound. Sound works good. Yeah, man. We got sound. That's, that's the we one main disadvantage
2: of, of fly fishing is lack of that.
1: Lack of rattles, like a vibration. Oh,
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah, Big time was. is vibration.
3: Oh, yeah. no, I, I Think, mean, think that, about a rattle trap going that.
2: through the water with all them beads and how much vibration that's putting off. They can feel that from a ways. Well, look. I mean, they
3: track them things
2: down fast.
3: I don't, don't want to give them no tips, huh, but that put on, like, a, a fish skull, a fish head weight is a jig. Mm-hmm. That is a jig. And now with weight, the ability, what I find in those paddle tails, is speed controls everything. You're running fast speed, you're you're that paddle tail is really beating. Now to control depth, like when I'm jig fishing for the crappie, sometimes I'm at a slower retrieve, and I feel like I don't, I feel like that's less attractive. You know what I mean? So if I can run a heavier weight and, and keep that, 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 you know what I mean? Because that's why I got it on there. That's the action of that. That That is solely what that's for. You know, a twister tail, you can reel at any speed. Fast, slow, it gives off a little bit of vibration. But it's, the movement is what catches fish on that twister tail, I feel. But that vibration given off by the, the beating of that paddle tail, is it's, it's something different. Watch. There's no doubt about it.
1: I so. definitely want to get some big ones for a... Uh... For musky flies. Well, just
3: I imagine weighting the shit out of them and, and what... Like, I feel the resistance when I retrieve that. It's almost like retrieving a rappel. You're digging. D, 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 you know what I mean? You yeah. get that back and forth. It, it's felt in, in your presentation. So, with weight... Well, and,
2: and something we touched on before, I think one thing that would be cool with that would be to put them on the back of a changer. Mm-hmm. And two-hand them.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, two-handed for
1: sure. That's Two, the... And not very long off the back of a changer. Just no, Short. Yeah, just a half inch off the back of a chain.
3: But the length is what actually gives it the most action, though. Because I'm, these plastics I'm using, they're two inches, but any paddle tail, well, I know they I'm make sure, them smaller, but the tail being a little elongated gives it that. I'm sure, but we're going to have well, it on, on the a back, changer, it'll the already be going side to side.
1: Six shanks, so they're already going to be going bub 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 yeah. And you're gonna go, going to go bub bub blah on the side, on top of that. So I I wanted to get on one other subject real quick. I uh, there's a new fly shop coming around or er, that's around here? town. Here. Uh, here? Yeah, man. In uh, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. I went to it yesterday. It was a uh, Risen Fly Shop. I will say it it's a pretty nice fly shop. Like Risen? Is
3: that? Risen. Different than that Not brand like or.
1: It, it's the same as the uh, the fly boxes that you see around and the rods. Mm-hmm. He's had an online presence for quite a while, but now he has a brick-and-mortar store in western Pennsylvania. So um, it is what it is. It's it's a different kind of shop, but it's still a brick-and-mortar store that we can we Walk can go to.
3: If you don't want to buy online or yeah, if you'll touch want, it, feel it, things like that. you want
1: to buy online... If you wanna buy um, like I said, it's it's a fly shop. I like Did they
3: it. have what you what you would use?
1: I spent twenty five dollars there, you know.
3: I mean, is there big game material, is there what do you I bought musky sided or
1: I bought stuff to tie some smallmouth flies and to tie some carp flies. And they had that and I bought it and I was happy with the stuff that I, I got from there
3: any any of the like bigger stuff any of the big i big game shanks or things in that nature
1: I did not see big hooks big shanks they had a big rod that they were selling and it's it's a pretty cool uh pretty cool system they have for that they're they're not ordered yet. The rods they have aren't ordered yet. You give a $100 deposit and when he gets enough to fill the order he's going to fill the order and you have to pay the rest of the the cost of the rod when the order's made. Which I think is going to be like October-ish. Or it might
3: be sooner than is that. Is some, it something people know or...
1: It's like the opposite of a Kickstarter. So... It it's a pretty cool system. It's different. It's it's good for someone to try to do that's trying to make money and trying to do it local. Um it's it's totally different. Um like I said, it's a local flash-off brick and mortar store.
3: So everything trout you could think of, everything, you know, material wise from bucktail to They had
1: bucktails, they had strung hackle, they had um Saddle Hackles from a uh, guy from central Pennsylvania. Um, it, it, it was a fly shop. It it wasn't as big as Nishana Creek. It wasn't on the side of a stream.
3: I mean, are but, their packs? Is or everything? bar and they're, they're doing everything, like waders and all that in there? Or was it just the materials and hooks and all this?
1: I did not see waders there. Now that you mention that, I didn't see waders. Now, a the, lot of
3: times you'll see. Waders. I heard,
1: I heard people talking about waiters, and then I ho- I heard the people talking about where they were fishing, and I had to butt my nose in and say, "Hey, I fish that place," and uh, you know, the waiter talk kind of went out of my ears, and the fishing talk went into my ears.
3: What was uh, what did what were the brands they sold? Pack wise, risen, oh, all Ryzen. risen, risen, Nikon, risen, I guess. Yeah, all. All risen stuff. Hmm. That's rare. Rare to see just one brand in a sewer or fly shop, I guess.
1: So, like I said, I'm not saying go there. I'm not saying don't go there. Check it out. Just saying. It's a brick, it's there. It's a brick-and-mortar store, 33 miles from my house. So.
3: And it ain't your, your favorite fly shop? I'm not, yeah. say, I'm not
1: saying it's my favorite fly shop. I'm not saying it's not my fa- favorite fly shop. I'm just saying it's there. Just go out and check it out. Make your own decisions about it.
2: I couldn't tell you how the fly fishing community is down there. I mean, I know a lot of them come up to fish in the Shannock. And I think a lot of them are naive to what's right in front of their face. I shouldn't say a lot of them. I'm going to say almost all of them are.
1: I don't know what's right in front of their face right there. I you know, mean, I.
2: You've got a handful of creeks coming off that main river, and you've got that main river there that's very accessible.
1: I know we've. My mm. wife and I passed over a river that you and me and Jay have scouted out a lot. Mm-hmm. We passed it over. It was low th- yesterday. It was perfect yesterday. It's still a little low, but it's good. I mean, we could have put Jay's Raft mm-hmm. in there, bro.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely, we, It's we, perfect for that. We
1: could have caught some smallmouth. Yeah. <laughs> it was clear, though. Yeah, it was definitely clear. Our
2: local was super, super clear.
1: Our, our local?
2: Uh-huh. No, no, not this one. The Little Creek.
1: Okay. I was going to say... Death Float Creek. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it Real was clear. super clear, because I had definitely thought about that. As a backup float for, uh, with my wife and I and her friend. Yeah. But, uh.
2: I need to get on my feet again here. I haven't, I've been on the boat for muskies. I'm about ready for some smallmouth when this comes down a little bit.
1: Dude, I'm telling you what, man. I had so much fun today on that Little Creek smallmouth fishing. I, uh, it was just fun. And then I saw that carp. I was like, uh, (laughs) I I bit that fly off real quick. (laughs) So, hey, do we have anything else we want to talk about real quick? I don't know what I can think of. Okay. we about covered everything. Well, tonight's show has been brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com.
2: And A-Rex Hooks, speaking of the starter packs. That's what they're all tied on. Stingers and
1: the trout predators. And if you want some starter packs, check them out at Urban Fly Company. Check out Urban Fly Company at UrbanFlyCompany.com not urbanflyco.com.
2: And Jace is talking about sun and skin cancer and everything else. Go to Sims Fishing. Get some sun gear. Their stuff's awesome.
1: Check out Why Not Fishing in their app, The Dock.
3: Yay. built for the wild. What you got, bro? Everything. Check them out. Queen City Guiding. Check Ryan out. He has lots of flies for sale, also materials, and, uh, Trips for, you know, multi-species fly fishing or, in general, uh, having fun trips. That's what kind of guy that dude is. So we miss you already and hope you're back soon or we get to see you soon. So who else we got?
1: I think we got them all.
3: And Jason Thompson. He ain't going to listen to this shit. But he's a fucking doctor. Hey. I don't know what
1: kind of doctor he is. Remember when Buddy said, fuck that guy? That's Jay.
3: (laughs) Yeah, don't come here with that shit.